Hello and welcome to the Northern Agenda podcast, coming to you from Reach, the people behind the Manchester Evening News, Newcastle Chronicle and Liverpool Echo. If you want to know what's going on in Northern politics from a Northern perspective, you're in the right place. I'm Dan O'Donoghue and on this week's episode, Yorkshire Live reporter Christian Johnson discusses the crisis facing NHS dentistry with York Central MP Rachel Maskell. This is really urgent. I know uh, across my constituency that people now feel they've got no choice. Somebody um, used up all of their savings to have dental treatment. Somebody else travelled overseas. Um, People are travelling 40, 50 miles to have a dentist and even some constituents extracting their own teeth um, because they can't bear the pain. Well, first, over the last week, the world has been gripped by Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. As Russian artillery continues to batter the country and casualties mount, leaders across the north of England have issued the united message of support and offered a welcoming hand to those displaced by the conflict. In Rochdale this week, members of the Ukrainian community joined councillors at the Lviv Bridge in the town centre in a show of solidarity. With me now is Rochdale Council leader, Neil Emmett. Neil, welcome. Perhaps I could start with that vigil What was the feeling you picked up among Ukrainians on Tuesday? The feeling was obviously of trepidation and of a certain amount of anxiety because many of the people in the Ukrainian community in Rochdale have relatives and friends still in Ukraine so that their first anxiety really was was for their friends and relatives but also a, a sense of outrage really that their country has been invaded illegally by a foreign power who's simply interested in in expansion really and um, and, and and he's coming up with all kinds of sort of spurious arguments as to why he's done it i think at one point we've even heard that he's he says he's denazifying uh, ukraine i'm not aware that the Ukrainian government is Nazi, not by any but by any um, sort of imagination at all. So it, it's a complete nonsense from Putin to say he's doing that. It's all about um, Putin uh, flexing his muscles and wanting to expand it into the Ukraine. And, and as like many people have been saying for a long time, this is not really this this, this is not against the Russian people because we've seen this last week that there's been, you know, there's been a protest against this invasion in 51 Russian cities uh, and there have been countless uh, arrests, about 6,000 people have been arrested and maltreated by the Russian police. This is not so much Russia's war as Putin's war and, uh, you know, and we need to stand up against it. Rochdale obviously has strong links with the country being twinned with Lviv. I mean, What's the reaction been like amongst local residents there? And, you know, is there much effort to any charitable efforts to raise donations, funds or anything like that or anything otherwise? Yeah, obviously we have uh, we have quite a large uh, Ukrainian community in Rochdale uh, and longstanding. The first people came over to Rochdale in the 1930s, um, uh, sort of escaping from Stalin's purges. And then many people obviously came over uh, at the end of the Second World War, and who had suffered not just as purges, but then had, had suffered uh, Nazi occupation. The Ukrainian club in Rochdale does have uh, a link on its website and on its Facebook page for people to make donations to, you know, to, to uh, humanitarian donations to help uh, people in Ukraine. So, you know, they're, they're clearly coordinating that 
and very active in doing so. We've heard from towns across the north this week, from Barrow to Hall and Liverpool, with local leaders saying that they would happily take refugees. And would Rochdale extend that offer too? I'm proud of our diverse community in Rochdale. And it's times like this that our borough's tolerance, compassion and moral compass should shine brightly in these very dark days. Of course, uh, central government needs to play its part and it needs to reach out further to support Ukrainian refugees. So this is about taking a partnership approach with government and working together, not just locally, but regionally as well, nationally and, and internationally, to ensure refugees are welcomed, protected and provided with a safe haven. So it's a time for everyone to stand up and be counted as we all play our part to ensure that this evil is, is defeated. And this is and always has been the Rochdale way. And I'm proud of the lead that we've taken sort of over the last couple of days. Um, and our support for the Ukrainian community will remain steadfast and we'll stand shoulder to shoulder over the coming days, weeks and months, Not no, no matter how long it takes really. Now, just kind of turning a little bit closer to home, looking at the impact and the longer term impact of the war. You know, we were already facing an energy crisis potentially this year with bills rising in April. Do you worry about the impact of a potential increase in gas prices on your residents in Rochdale? And, you know, how do you think they'll be able to cope with something like that on top of the cost of living crisis that a lot of people are, are experiencing right now? Yes, I am concerned because we know that there is a you know, a lot of people are now being asked to pay a lot more, particularly for their um, their home energy bills. I've seen cases in, you know, some cases where those bills have tripled in, in, in costs rather than, you know, just a just a small percentage. And very often it will it, it will impact the harvest on those people who rely on it more. So, for example, older people who need to stay warm in winter. Um, and families who will need to use a lot more for cooking, etc. So, yes, I am very concerned, and it's going to hit that the people who will be hardest hit are probably those who, who are least able to pay. But if I can just also talk about a, a, a slight Rochdale history in dealing with that, three years ago, we were looking to renew how the council's um, energy uh, contract and we were looking, we, we, we had a number of tenders in. At the time, one of the tenders was from Gazprom. Um, we were not satisfied with the human, with, with the links that that com company has to the Russian government and, and the Russian government's uh, track record on human rights and on accepting, as we've seen, you know, completely, complete intolerance uh, of, any, of any protests or any dissent. So we decided we were not going to go with Gazprom. Um, we, we thought that, you know, there would, we had to maintain a moral compass. In the end, actually, what we, by, by holding out on it, we actually found a, a, a supplier that not only didn't have links to, uh, to, to, to despotic regimes like Putin, but it was actually a lower tender in the end. So by digging our heels in and, and holding out, we did, we, we, we did a good, you know, we did a good job all around. Uh, well, I think that example there demonstrates really the impact that you know local people, local councils can actually have. Because obviously, with an international conflict, I think some people sometimes feel distant from it; they can't have any impact on it or influence over it. You know, would you like to potentially see other local councils 
following your lead in that sense and in the future keeping in mind stuff like this when they are tendering out contracts and potentially looking at the background of some of these companies yeah i think it's true i i, I think i i would lo- love to see that and I, and I think this whole issue as well on the political stage it transcends party politics you know he, for example here in rochdale you know we're speaking with one voice so for example myself the leader of the conservative group and the leader of the liberal democrat group have all spoken out. We, we agreed jointly to fly the Ukrainian flag outside our council buildings last week, and we've agreed jointly to um, to, to light up the view bridge uh, in, in the colours of the Ukrainian flag. But I do think this is, you know, this, this is not a party political issue. All of us are standing strong with Ukraine, um, and I think across the northwest and across Great Britain, really. I'd urge other local councils to, to if, if there are any ties to companies that are linked to the Russian government, to cut them and, uh, and in that way we'd be helping the people of Ukraine. It's Christian Johnson here for the Northern Agenda and in this section of the podcast we're taking a closer look at the dentistry crisis and whether there is anything that can be done to fix the huge backlog. The effects of the pandemic mean there are an estimated 40 million NHS appointments that have been lost in the last two years. The problems are twofold. Patients in some areas such as Rotherham are now facing waits of up to two and a half years for an NHS appointment and many more can't even get onto a waiting list because of an exodus of staff. The British Dental Association claims that more than 1,000 dentists left the NHS last year alone. Now joining me to speak about the issue is Rachel Maskell, the Labour MP for York Central. Rachel, thanks for joining us. Before we come on to talk about what can be done to fix the issue, tell us first of all what's happening in York and some of the problems that your constituents are facing. Well, even before the pandemic, there's a really serious um, crisis in in dentistry care in the city where people were waiting years in order to get to see a dentist, registering a dentist often miles away from York in order just to get some basic health um, care or even just a checkup. So it's been a real challenge, but it's got far worse. And the main reason for this is the dental contract, which... um, doesn't deliver with regards to payment for dentists and therefore there's a massive disincentive for people to remain in NHS practice and dentists are are moving quite rapidly really to into private practice which of course people can't afford. How concerning is this that you say there's so many dentists leaving the NHS particularly at a time like this when there is a massive backlog? Well, just to give an example, contracts are now being handed back to the NHS. And just in the the last few weeks, we know that about 10,000 residents across the city of York have now had a letter from their dentist to say that they're moving into private practice and therefore will have to seek care either in the private sector or, of course, um, have to find an NHS dentist. And um, we know that... um, there aren't the the dentists available. There's no capacity. People are joining lists of thousands of people just to get a first assessment with a new dentist. So I think we can say virtually impossible now to see an NHS dentist 
in York. And of course, we know at the same time, people haven't been seeing their dentists for a couple of years. Uh, dental and oral health care is getting worse. And it's becoming more costly as people are having to go to acute hospitals to have more serious treatment. So um, this is having a real negative impact on people. And in later life, it means, of course, there's more malnutrition because people aren't able to eat properly. So the, the government have got to get a grip. And, and my main call is that we put the mouth back into the body of the NHS and ensure that we now have a proper dental service run on the same terms as the NHS, free for all to access and to access at a point of need. How quickly does this need to be sorted? We've mentioned there that there's two years of backlogs, really. There's thousands of people waiting in York alone. Is this something that needs to be expedited, really? It needs to be done very, very quickly. This is really urgent. I know uh, across my constituency that people now feel they've got no choice. Somebody um, used up all of their savings to have dental treatment. Somebody else travelled overseas, Um, people are travelling 40, 50 miles to have a dentist and even some constituents extracting their own teeth um, because they can't bear the pain. Now, the thought of it um, makes us all cringe. But when people are faced with a cost of living crisis, they don't have means, of course, they're going to go to whatever extremes are necessary. And we also know people are going to their GP. And of course, it's difficult to get a GP appointment at the moment. They're turning up in A&E in pain in order to get support um, for their oral health care. So it's absolutely crucial that government get a grip on this. And you mentioned there a lot of issues from your constituents in York, but it's not only in York. This is very much a nationwide issue, isn't it? It is a nationwide issue, but in certain pockets of the country, the situation is far worse than other areas and where there is more acute shortage it seems to be escalating we know Yorkshire has been particularly hard hit I think it's the worst hit area of the country but I'm aware that other areas are struggling too we've got a real shortage of NHS dentists as well in the country and that's been a a long-standing thing Uh, a lot of dentists are reaching that retirement age or indeed planning a career change it's a stressful job and therefore we need to train more dentists it's not satisfactory just to say we'll find dentists from somewhere else in the world brexit has had its implications so we haven't had so many people coming from the dental professions to the uk and therefore we do need to grow our own Uh, that means more dental schools and i'm also um, making the case that we need in in york uh, across york and hull um, like our medical school stretched across those two cities, a new dental school. But I know um, we need a few more dental schools elsewhere in the country. And of course, where you've got dental schools, you'll have more dentists. And again, that helps the community be able to access the healthcare that they deserve and need. Rachel, thank you for joining us on the Northern Agenda. Thank you for listening to the Northern Agenda podcast. And don't forget, you can subscribe to our daily newsletter at thenorthernagenda.co.uk. It's more important than ever for Northern voices to be heard. The Northern Agenda is a laudable production for Reach. It's presented by me, Rob Parsons, and Dan O'Donoghue. And it's produced by Daniel J. McLaughlin. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to The Northern Agenda wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. 